0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So I had the privilege of teaching lesson three, and I titled it Hope for Deliverance. And deliverance is one of those things, it's an umbrella. It's just an umbrella promise that no matter what's going on in your life, God said, I will deliver you. So God never promised us we wouldn't have trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have all kinds of trouble, but be a good cheer because I've overcome. And, and the Bible teaches us that God is the rescuer in our life. So you cannot have a victory unless you are in a battle. You can't have a testimony unless you're being tested. And so sometimes when we're in the midst of a battle, a storm, a testing, we just give up. And I just want you to walk out of this service never giving up again and trusting that what God's promised, God will do. If you weren't here for lesson one, we talked about uh, hope for eternity. But guys, I also brought out Hebrews where the Bible says, Every promise God made, every promise in the Bible, that he gave his word, he swore by himself that I will bring that promise to pass. And the Bible says that's to be an anchor for our soul. That's, that's our emotional system. And i want to talk about this promise God made. It's a general promise for any area of our life where he said, I will rescue you. And that is an incredible promise. And this is a great time for us to hear this and be encouraged. But you know what? Before 2020 and 2019, didn't we all have different problems in our life, right? Problems never go away, and God's promise never goes away. And that's really, really important for us. So I'm going to share a story. I shared this one other time many years ago, and... Uh, it just was so good and I felt it was so appropriate that I'd share it again and just uh, bring it back to you. When I, one of my mentors in Bible school, uh, every year we had certain meetings, uh, week-long meetings, and he shared the same stories every year. Now think about that, for 20 years, I listened to the same stories, you know, even after Bibles. But every time I got something new from it and I learned something about life stories, they're powerful and I believe God wants to speak. So don't worry, I'm not gonna share the same story every year, but but this is so powerful, I wanted to share it again. And uh, it has to do with Gina and I. Uh, Many years ago, uh, we came to a place where we had incredible financial need in our life. So the church was taking care of us, they've always taken care of us, it wasn't their fault. But we had this huge, unexpected thing that we had to pay for. On top of that, we were raising four kids. We had four kids in five and a half years. Some of them were in college. And then we had a wedding coming up that we had to pay for. And so we had all this financial stuff hit us at once, and I didn't wanna you know, refinance my mortgage and get it into there. I didn't wanna refinance anything. And so Gene and I just said, let's pray. You know, Philippians 4.19 says this, my God shall supply all your needs according to his, his resources. And so we thought, let's pray that and, and, and let's just receive that promise, which God has sworn by himself, he would bring it to pass. So we prayed that prayer. Week went by, nothing happened. Two weeks went by, a month went by, another month went by. Nothing's happening, but we knew what to do. And I'm going to talk about some of the things we did in, in next week's lesson four. But guys, I then saw a name come across my desk and I was shocked to see this name. Because the guy who called and wanted me to call him back, when we started Believers in 83, 84, he was in high school. And he came here for a couple years while he was in high school. Then when he graduated, he left. Well, let me tell you his story. Uh, He had no father in his life. His father had abandoned him and his mom. His mom was an alcoholic. And I mean, she she was not free. She was in the midst of it. He had an older sister that kind of was his mom in a sense. So he began to come to church here And he had all kinds of other problems on top of those problems. And I began to just help him. And I met with him at least once a week. And sometimes he'd walk in just torn apart and I'd throw another meeting in there unexpected. And I just worked with him for two years and then he disappeared. And then I didn't know what happened to him. And so I see his name and I think, well, I'm gonna call him. I'm not connecting it to my prayer at all. So I give him a call and we catch up. He lets me know he's living in Texas. He's married, has a family. and we Like I was 25 when I was mentoring him. So we're pretty close in age and he has a beautiful family. And we're just talking and having just a great talk, catching up. And then he told me, he started some businesses and he said, I've become a millionaire. And I'm like, that's awesome. Not connecting it to my prayer at all. Never crossed my mind. But then he said this. He said, God put you on my heart and I should have called you sooner, but he told me I'm supposed to bless you. And I said, really? I said, well, just make it out to Believer's Church. I figured he meant the church. He goes, no, no, not the church. God told me I'm supposed to bless you. And I had no idea what he was going to do and what his idea of a blessing was, right? So I gave him all the information, and then he sent what he was going to send, and it paid for the wedding. It paid this huge debt off, and we had a little bit left over. And I was blown away by what God did. And some of you might be sitting there saying, that's because you're Pastor Joe. You pastors get all those kind of blessings. Guys, it's never happened before, it's never happened again. I have pastor friends all over the country, it never ever has happened in their lives. But let me tell you why it happened, and I wanna encourage you, because I used to sit there sometimes with ministers and say, yeah, that's just because you're a minister. And, and guys, you know I never throw any hints out. Some pastors throw hints out, and it's still not happening to them. So, so let me tell you why it happened, because Gina and I were Christ followers who took a promise of God and believed God, and God fulfilled that promise, and he delivered us from a situation. And Borman, Warren, TCI, can we just give it up and say, thank you, God, that you do that in our lives? It's an amazing story. It's amazing what God does. So I have a big idea for this lesson. If you're visiting, my big idea is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. So some of you know this. Some of you are hearing it for the first time. You're gonna have a smile on your face all week. It's not one of my fancier ones, but it is true. Listen to this. God promised to rescue us when circumstances are overcoming us. This is a Bible promise. It's an amazing promise, and God promised to do it in each and every one of our lives. So here's something God had to walk me through, uh, because uh, sometimes we look to man before we look to God. And thank God if we have some people that can help us, that have connections. But I really believe God wants us, uh, use every connection you have, but he wants us also to look first to him. And here's a cool proverb. It reads like this, Proverbs eleven seven, Hopes placed in mortals or human beings, die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. And all God is saying is, people, even if you know the most powerful people, someday they're they're gonna die. But you know what else is understood here? Sometimes you can know the most powerful people and they can't help you. And, And all of us know that that's true. And what God's trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that, hey, if you know somebody, connect with them, ask them to help you. One of the things I do in the lobbies. As whenever someone tells me what's going on in their life, if I know somebody that I think can help them, I will connect them with that person. I really believe God wants all of us to do things like that, but I can't guarantee that person will help them, right? So I had this other situation, and if you've been coming here, I don't know, I haven't shared this for probably four or five years, uh, but it's worth resharing because I wanna share it from a different angle. And most of the people involved, or all the people involved are no longer in their positions, and some have died and gone to the other side, and I pray they made heaven. So so, so so, listen to this story, guys. Here, here, here's the story. Here's the story. Gina and I moved into a new house many years ago, and they didn't have sewers on the street, and so we had to put a septic system in. We chose our front yard. We had, we had a septic system put in. From the day we moved in, it failed, so it didn't work. And then after a bunch of flushes... Uh, instead of going down, this is in our front yard, bubbles of poo-poo water began to come up in our front yard. So I called the county and I say, hey, we've got a problem here. And you guys, you guys actually approved this. So I'm coming to you first. You need to go to the guy that put it in. And they come over and here's what they said. They said, it's your fault. You're using too many, too many, too much water, too many flushes. And I'm like, we only have my wife and I and four kids. No, it's too many flushes, you know? And, and so they blamed me, and I'm fighting. And then I'm going to politicians, and I'm saying, at the time I wasn't on TV, but I was in the newspaper every single day. And I, I know these guys, and, and I'm saying, you gotta help me, this is what happened. And none of them would help me, none of them could help me. And so I have a dilemma, a real dilemma. So time went on and on. So what I did, because they're pushing me to fix it, I, I, I found this guy in Southern Ohio that was an expert on septic system. I paid him to come up and test and find out what was wrong with mine because they're telling me it's my fault. So he, he, he had me you know, do all these things, how much water we use, all that. And he did all the soil samples and all that. And then after whatever it took, a month or so, he came to me and said, it's not your fault. You're not using too much water. Then, then he said this. He said, you have Wattsworth soil. And I didn't know what that was. He said, it's clay. He said, and you can't use plastic leach beds. They use plastic leach beds. I said, you can't do that with clay. And he said, that's why the water's coming up instead of going down. So I take them this report. I'm like excited. And they said, oh, we don't agree with him. And that was the end of that. So, so, so now I'm thinking, do I litigate? But then my poopoo bubbles turned into a poo-poo pond and it's like taking up a quarter of my yard. And so the county's saying, we're gonna evict you if you don't put a system in the back. And they wanted me to do this raised mound system at the time, $20,000. And I'm saying, I'm not gonna spend 20 grand when I just spent this. And, and you guys gotta get, you gotta fix this. And I'm going to the guy that did it. Nobody would do anything and they're gonna evict me from my house. So then I went to the other side of the county that brings sewers, and I said, hey, guys, can you bring sewers to our street? We don't have the money, and we're not so sure the levels are right, you know, uh, the, the, the draining levels, so no, we can't do it. So now I have a deadline, and if I don't spend 20 grand and do the raised poo-poo system, then I have to go to a hotel, and they're gonna shut my house down. So it was very frustrating. So Gina and I prayed. We just prayed because I'm trusting men and trusting men and trying to get guys to push some buttons. Nobody's pushing any buttons. And so we prayed and said, God, we need delivered from this situation. And we just took hold of a promise that I'm gonna read in just a moment. Just a general promise of God rescuing us. And then some weeks passed and we're getting closer to the deadline. Then I received another phone call. I love those kind of phone calls. And there's a woman I never met on the other end. And she goes, hey, we're gonna be new neighbors. We just purchased a lot. And I said, that's awesome. And I figured she was gonna ask me about my poo-poo pond. And and then she said, "Uh, we got the county to bring sewers to the street. And I said, they told me it couldn't be done. She said, we fronted them the money And then we're gonna get it back when people tie into the sewer. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, And so she said, what I need you to do is sign a paper saying you're okay with the sewers coming. And I said, how fast can I sign that paper, right? (laughs) She didn't know what was going on in our lives. And guys, here's why I share this story. I've shared it before, but I've never shared it from this uh, perspective. I tried to push every button I could for people to help me. And now that nobody's in office anymore that was there, I can say some things. And guys, nobody could help me. But God... Has promised us that no matter what you're going through, I will rescue you, and He rescued us from the poo-poo pond, and I wrote a little worship song about it. Uh, They won't sing it here, but I did write it. Okay, so let, let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you the promise. This is one of the many promises in the Bible. You guys ready? Psalm 34, verse 17: The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all. Their troubles, all oh, he doesn't exclude any. Listen, verse 18: The Lord is close to the brokenhearted; he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous face many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue, to the rescue each time. And I want you to think about that. Do you see verse 17 and verse 19? God comes to the rescue every single time. That's a promise. So there's the promise. That God will rescue us. And that's why my big idea says God promised to rescue us when circumstances are overcoming us. But then verse 18, I had a lot of prayer over verse 18 and I I just really felt it was going to be for some people listening this weekend. So maybe in Bourbon, maybe TCI, maybe online, maybe here in Warren. Let's read it again. Verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And and I really know, I know there are people listening right now, your heart's been broken and your spirit's crushed. And we all have had our hearts broken at one time or another in our life. Uh, It could be a person that broke it. It could be a situation that broke it. uh, It could be a divorce that broke it. And then how about a crushed spirit? man? how about us having the spiritual wind knocked out of us and just being crushed? Like, I don't even know if I can go on with life. And God made a promise I will rescue you even from a broken heart and a crushed spirit. So I, I shared that last night and it's going out online. And this morning I woke up and I looked at my Facebook messenger and I had a message from a guy that used to attend here and he's a, he's a man's man. And, and he used to come here and he lives down in Texas now. And he just said, Pastor Joe, I was watching last night. And as you shared this message, I welled up in tears. And he said, God, rescued me and ministered to me. He said, I just wanted to thank you for what God has done. And I believe that's gonna happen to many who are listening right now because we serve the God who rescues us from every trouble or problem. And then I love this, he heals our hearts too. And some of you are in despair and I just want you to know, like he did last night, he's gonna do it again today. So I thought of some guys in the Bible that had a lot of trouble because uh, a lot of us have problems, but these guys had way more than us. The first guy was David, became king of Israel. But you know when he was a shepherd boy, he had some problems as a shepherd boy. Once a bear came and tried to take one of his sheep and, and he had to fight off the bear. I'm just thinking of a staff, maybe a spear, maybe that little swing, you know slingshot that God helped kill Goliath, right? And I thought about the bear because a couple of years ago we had a bear walk through our neighbor's backyard. And uh, he told me it was like 250-pounder. And so I, I have a 9-millimeter handgun and, and a nice clip, semi-automatic. And I have a concealed carry. So uh, I start taking walks in our neighborhood, and I take my grandkids in the woods. But I, I, had, I had my 9-millimeter with me in case I ran into that bear. And I was telling the friend, and he started laughing at me. He said, if you shoot that bear with that gun, you're going to just make him mad. <laughs> I, I said, this gun, this gun is... Well, just goes through skin. He goes, his pelt is so thick, it will bounce off his pelt. I said, well, I'll hit him in the head. He said, his skull's so thick that it won't even penetrate his head. I go, Are you serious? He goes, you're just gonna make him mad. I said, if I, if I hit him in the eye, will that kill him? He said, yes, but good luck hitting him in the eye, right? So I said, what do I do? He said, just back away and just hope he doesn't come at you because he said, there's no stopping a bear. I didn't know that. He had to have a really high-powered gun, right? So I share that story to say, imagine little David, little shepherd boy. You know what he said? The bear came at me and I killed it. I don't know if he did it with his bare hands or if he slinged it like he did with Goliath, but here's the bottom line, guys. God had to put velocity on that rock. And God can put velocity on in your life and he can set you free when you think I don't have the ability to be set free. And then David said, a line came later and I took out the line. And then Goliath came and boom. And God put velocity on the rock, took Goliath out. And then after that, here's a guy that had all kinds of troubles, guys. He said, then uh, King Saul tried to kill me and he ran from King Saul for years and God kept rescuing him, rescuing him. Then he becomes king and then all these other kingdoms try to take down Israel and God rescues him, rescues him, rescues him. And listen to this. Then he saw a lady and he committed adultery with her. She got pregnant. So he said, I'm gonna kill your husband. And he had her husband killed. Then the prophet came to him and said, tis, 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 you're not allowed to do that, David. And said, you're gonna have some troubles come because of that. And you know what David did? He repented. And you know what God did? He delivered him from every single one of those troubles. And some of you are listening right now saying, you don't understand what I did. You don't Hey, whatever you did, make it right with God. God will deliver you like he delivered David. God is a delivering God. And David wrote about this in Psalm 40, and, and I'd, like, I'd like to read it to you. Listen to this. Uh, verse 1, one of, one of my favorite sections of scriptures. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry, and he'll do this for all of us. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. What's your pit? You know, I think of a pit. I think of you're down too far. You don't have anything to stand on. You can't reach the top and you're just stuck, right? What's your pit? God lifts us from our pits. Listen to this. Uh, Out of the mud and the mire, and I just think of a quicksand kind of mud and I've gotten stuck in that and I'm sure some of you have with boots on. It's like hard to get yourself out of. But he says this, God set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And that's what God wants to do in every single one of our lives. If he did it for David, he'll do it for you. Can I I read you the next verse, verse three? He has given me a new song to sing. This is a song about his deliverance And he had song after song. And that's what many of the Psalms are, God delivering and David writing about his deliverance. He goes on to say, a hymn of praise to our God. And here's what happens when people see God rescue you. Many will see what he has done and be amazed and they will put their trust in the Lord. And when we read the Bible and see what he did for these guys, we can say, hey, I'm not even as bad as David. I haven't did what he did. And yet God forgave him and God kept delivering him. And then verse four, oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, in those who worship idols, or in man. Guys, God has promised to take us out of pits. So David wrote Psalm 91, and there's a little argument. Did David compile it, and Moses wrote some of it? The bottom line is David put it all together and created it, and and he sang it, and he worshiped God with it. Listen to this, Psalm 91, verse two. This I declare that he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I am trusting him. Listen to this. He rescues you from every trap and protects you from the fatal plague. And what an appropriate verse of scripture. I remember when COVID started, I did a special message when COVID started, excuse me, and when we were no longer able to have public services and I was just live streaming and we read Psalm 91. But how appropriate, you know, that no matter whether you catch COVID or not, no matter what, God says, I'm promising to deliver you. And you and I need to wipe fear out of our minds and understand that God is the delivering God. I think about 2020, and this has been such a unique year. I mean, I'll be 62 in December. I know it's surprising, right? You thought I was 42, and and so so I'll be 62 in, in December. And I have never lived through a more crazy year in all my life. I'm happy for the good things that are happening. I like social justice. I believe in it. But you know the rioting, the looting, the presidential election, and hearing lie after lie, right? And all those things, not knowing what's going to happen afterwards. And guys, here's what I can tell you. I know one thing about God, God is the delivering God and no matter what comes our way, he has promised to rescue us and I'm excited about that particular promise, guys. And I wanna give it up one more time, do it in Borman. Warren here, guys. Oh, you might wonder why I do that sometimes. I, I do it not because I need to hear it, I do it because we need to celebrate the goodness and the greatness of God. And sometimes we hear what God has promised and all you can do is say, thank you, God. And that's one way of thanking him. So can I talk to you about Paul? Paul was the most persecuted person in the entire Bible. Uh, I don't think anyone ever had more because he had a special messenger sent by the devil, by Satan, and his his job, this was a high-ranking demon, his job was to stir people up all around Paul. And because Paul had a call in his life to write nearly three-quarters of the New Testament, he had a call in his life to literally preach Christ and non-Jewish nations. He was the first one to go to any non-Jewish nations. That's an incredible call. And so the enemy wanted to take him out. And he said, this special messenger was sent to me to buffet me. And whenever I have trouble, I think, Man, I'm not as important as Paul, so he had to have way more troubles than I did. Do You know, he was shipwrecked three times and, and he, he says it was that, that demon that caused the weather to go crazy. Think about that. And he says, I had all these problems. They chased him out. He'd go into town and they'd chase him out. They tried to kill him. They tried to stop him. And I love reading about a guy like that and how he handled it and the promises he took hold of. So take a look at this. This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse eight, and it reads like this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So, so he says, I, I didn't have anything in me to make it through. But he goes on to say, we were great, under great pressure so that we despaired of life itself. This is what I like about the Bible. It doesn't cover things up. And that's why I'll share a lot of things that I've gone through. And I try to be transparent because guys, none of us walk through this life without trouble. And Paul says, mine was so bad, I wanted to give up. I just wanted to walk away. And it goes on, it says this in verse nine. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. That's how bad it was. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I'm asking us, hey, if God can raise the dead, can he rescue you? Yes, and that's why he's saying it. And listen to what he goes on to say in verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will rescue us Again, on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And that is amazing. So 10 years later, he's writing to Pastor Timothy. So he has 10 more years under his belt. And here's what he says about the attacks he was going through, 2 Timothy 4:18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. Did you know now how he's more emphatic? Uh, he, he doesn't just say he'll deliver me. He says, every evil attack... And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, guys, I want to I want us to do something. I really want you to participate. Borman, TCI Warren. I want you to say this so loud guys, Borman, I want it I want us to hear it here. I want it to just come through our walls, right? And and I want us to say it so loud wherever people are watching online in their houses, I want I want them to hear us, right? So, I'm asking you to really get into this. And all I want you to do is read the first part of this verse with me. So, read it like you're excited about it. You ready? Let's read. 2 Timothy 4:18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Now that was warm up. You ready now? Now, you did really good, by the way. Borman. I almost heard you. You got to get a little louder. Here we go. Here we go. Verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Did that feel good or what? That feels really good. What if you took a verse like this and you just man, you just began to speak this over your life and you began to declare it. Hey, by the way, we have we have one, a connect group you can jump in anytime. It, it's a connect group based on the weekend services and they just review the weekend services. And you can go to our website and find out how to click it. it it's, it's online and you can become part of it. And you're not going to rehear my sermon. You're just going to be able to ask questions, and you're gonna be able to hear some incredible insight on it. So I encourage you in that area. And I had two more things. I thought, man, I need to bring these out. And here's the first one. You ready? This really eliminated fear in my life. It goes like this. If God has more for us to do, death can't take us. It's really important for us to understand. If he has more for us to do, Death can't take us. And it happened with Paul. God rescued him. They tried to take Jesus out. I want to read you one of those times when they tried to take Jesus out. It's amazing. So God, God, if, if you have more for to do on this earth, you might say, well, I have an assignment, but it's not that important. Every assignment's important. Everything God's called us to do is important. And this really helped take fear out of my life. I remember as a younger man, uh, when I was on an airplane and I, that turbulence came, you know, you, you try to be cool, but I wanted to grab Gina's hand and uh, it can be scary. And then I remember seeing this and I, I realized, you know what? I'm not, I can't die till God's done with me. He's gonna protect me and he's gonna protect you. Now we can do something foolish. A couple years ago, I, I, I was with a friend and he wanted me to try his new muscle car and he said, I'll drive. So he's driving, I'm not. And we get on 11, right at Austintown, go south towards Canfield and he took it up to 170 miles an hour and I didn't know he was gonna do that. I just wanted to ride in his car, and it scared the heebie-jeebies out of me, and the way my mind's working is, if a deer comes out, there's no missing the deer, right? We're gonna go splat. The deer's gonna go splat. Then I'm worried about state troopers. I'm worried about everything, and finally, he slowed down. He goes, you wanna drive it? I go, no. I I just wanna go home. I wasn't built for that kind of ride, you know? It just wasn't something that excited me. Now, if we're foolish... You know, and then maybe we'll go a little early, right? I was thinking, in that case, he was going too fast for his guardian angel to keep up. But I think God said, "You know what? Joe's innocent, so he had he gave my guardian angel some supernatural speed, and, and he was there to protect me." Guys, if God's called you to do something, nobody's taking you out, and that brought me to a place of no fear. So Jesus was called to die on the cross for all people, and I, I want you to notice how many times they try to take him out. Notice this, this is one of them, John 8, 59. At that point, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him, but Jesus was hidden from them and walked past them and left the temple. So they're in a building and they have all these rocks and they're like ready to stone Jesus and then poof, he disappears. God, God did a disappearing act. Well, you know why? It wasn't his time to go. Here's another time, and this reminds me of some things that are going on today. Luke 4, 28. These remarks stung them to fury, and jumping up, they mobbed Jesus and took him to the edge of the hill on which the city was built to push him over the cliff. Some of you might be afraid of the angry mobs that are out there. Guys, if it's not your time to go, just relax. God's going to protect you. He's going to rescue you. Listen to what happened with Jesus. But he walked away through the crowd and left them. Like, where did that little booger go? And he just just walks away. And they don't know how he walked away. God probably made him disappear again. And I share this to give us peace in the lives that we live on planet Earth. I don't know where the world's going, but I know this. God made a promise to rescue us. And we can know that no matter what's gonna come at us, God's gonna rescue us. And that brings me to a place of peace. But then I thought about something else that I've had to deal with. When I was a young pastor, it took me a while to figure this out. And here's the statement for that. Death is the greatest deliverance. It's the greatest deliverance. And none of us wanna go early. Um, You know, I remember reading about martyrs once and I read that martyrs receive special rewards. And I told God, you know what? I'd like someone else at Believers to receive that reward, Lord. I'm gonna pass on it, right? I don't wanna die that type of death and I'm not looking forward to that. But when I was a young pastor, I'd pray for people, people we loved in the church and they would die early and we're asking God to heal them. And every now and then, you know, you don't see any results. And I'm the kind of guy where I'm trying to figure out what who's at fault you know is it me is it them and i'm trying to figure it all out and then one day god brought something back to me that one of my mentors taught us in bible school It's deuteronomy 29 29 and you know what it says the secret things belong to the lord and those things that he chooses to reveal to men he reveals and it just brought a peace to me and the peace was you know what I may not know some things until heaven, but I know this. I know God's good. I know God rescues. And why some things don't happen, I'm not sure. But here's what I do know. Even if someone dies, they've been ultimately delivered, right? Because they're delivered from this earth, and they're up in heaven, and there's no place better in heaven. It stinks for us, but for them, they've been delivered. And I really felt there were some of you that needed to hear that, and God wants to heal your heart with it. And God wants us to understand, guys, no matter what's coming at us, he's promised to rescue us. And I really believe we need a good time of prayer. So can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Let's pray, guys. Let's just pray. Father, I pray for everyone in Borman, online, here in Warren, TCI, people that are gonna listen all through the week. Lord, and I just, I I pray that you make it so real to us that you're the rescuer. And the next time we're in trouble, Lord, if we can go to man, that's great, but we don't look there first. We look to you. We look to your promises. We pull on one of those promises. And Lord, I thank you for bringing peace into every single heart that's listening, that you are the God that rescues us. And we don't need to uh, focus on the storm. We can focus on the rescue, and we can know the storm gives God a chance to rescue us. The test gives God a chance to make a testimony. The battle gives God the chance to give us a victory. And so Lord, I thank you for ministering life to each and every one of us. Lord, we're we're at all ages, and there's people here despairing at every age, and people that need rescued at every step in life. And so Lord, as we pray, we just thank you that you're the God that does it. And I ask you to minister life to everybody listening, Father. Guys, we need to stay in an attitude of prayer. Just keep praying. Those of you online, stick with me. Let's keep praying. If you're listening and you're not sure of your eternity, you're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell, I want to give you the best news you've ever heard. And, you know, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you're water baptized as a baby and adult. Maybe you're a member of a church. I'm not asking that. I'm not asking you to join a religion. All great things. Here's what I'm asking Can you remember a day when you made it personal with Jesus and you said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. And this day I accept you as my Savior? That is so important. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name, he'll save them. Jesus died for all of our sins. He was buried three days, three nights. God raised him from the dead. That's the good news. God said, you can't work your way to heaven, but if you trust in him, he's the gate, he's the way, he'll wash your sins away. He'll give you eternal life and he'll give you hope like you've never had. So as we're all praying, if you're listening right now and you say, my heart's touched, my heart's open, and I'm ready to accept Jesus, would you pray with me right now? online here in, in Warren and in Boardman, in TCI. And can the rest of us help them pray? Let's pray loud enough so uh, they hear us pray with them. And if you're praying the first time, simply mean it. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. That's why I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus, I believe the good news that you died, God raised you from the dead, and you did that for me and the whole entire world. I accept you as my savior. I declare that you're the Christ, the living son of God, and I make a decision to follow you, amen.